Hey guys, welcome back to the Petty Pod. I'm your host, Neil Petty, and I am so stoked that you're tuning in this week. We are coming in hot with an awesome guest that I am extremely excited to bring onto the podcast. Before we get into introductions, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Neil Petty with an extra Y. That's N-E-I-L-P-E-T-T-Y-Y with an extra Y. And be sure to check out the video content this week on my story from the episode so you can see the smirks and the vibes and all of it. It's so great when you can see some of the pod, too. So this week, we are... I said it, folks. I said it. We're coming in hot. I've got Tim League here. Tim League, founder of the Alamo Draft House. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The Alamo Draft House, y'all. You have heard of it. I'm not going to explain what it is because you've heard of it. It's the theater that has the food and the fun, period. I got to tell you a little story. It was 2001 in the fall. It was a down time. You know, 9-11 had happened. I had just moved into Austin, and I picked up a Chronicle. And on that cover was the winner of the best of 2001. It was October. And it's Tim and Carrie. And I just see this dynamic duo of a couple and above them. It's this glowing sign, Alamo Draft House. And everyone I worked with in town was like, you haven't been yet? I was like, dude, I just moved here. I'm sleeping in my friend's guest room. My clothes are in my car. Last thing I was thinking about was going to the movies. But I made time to go to the Alamo Draft House, and literally it changed my life. It made me not be such a knucklehead musician and more into films. And so I uh, truly accredit Tim and Carrie and their whole team at Alamo Draft House for really turning me on to film and everybody else in Austin really just getting them excited about, um, you know, the art of film. Anyways, Alamo Draft House has been going on since 97. Today they have over like about 40 locations everywhere from L.A. all the way to Brooklyn. Uh, They're huge now. And Tim, we talked about a lot of his past. We talked about his first job at Shell Oil. We talked about Tejon, his first theater where he had corn on as a guest. Yes, we're going to get into that. Fugazi was on there too just to really honey up the street cred a bit. But this was a great episode, really tapping into Tim, hearing about uh, his process and like how he got to doing what he did coming from Shell Oil. I think this this is an interesting story, how people pivot like that and uh, follow their passion. But today, Tim, you know, he's still hands-on with Alamo Draft House. They're an awesome business that just continues to thrive. Uh, he's also got a hand in uh, Mondo, a merchandise company with uh, some awesome illustrations. We have a couple in our house. I can't lie. And then he's also got a hand in Neon, a production company that did movies like I, Tanya and others. Tim Ling is awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. I'm just going to tell you flat out, I'm so glad you came on the Petty Pod. And this is Tim League. Let's go. Oh, yeah, don't talk or text while this podcast is on. Petty Pod. This is probably going to be my primary. Yes. Primary <laughs> is that the one you're running on? Yeah, uh. yeah. No, th- th- it happens. People will favor a certain vibe. That's and- my internal dialogue mm-hmm, at all times. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah, it's, this is half podcast, half electronic music show. And basically they're sound bites that, are, that align with the emotional, you know, riffraff. So as we go along, like hit a vibe and uh, it'll be all good. But goodness gracious, you're from, you're from Houston or Bakersfield? 
You know, uh, neither, I suppose, technically. I was, I was born in Berkeley, California, yeah. moved to Houston when I was 14 months old. So I can never truly, even though I feel like I identify as a Texan, I can never truly be called a true Texan. Yeah, yeah, you don't think so. But, like, that, those are two different areas, like Berkeley, you know, yes. and then Houston. Houston's like a real... Like, I mean, I'm from the Houston area. I'm from Victoria, Texas. Do you know where that is? I know exactly where that is. <laughs> it's like, they all think, everyone thinks that it's near Houston. But um, I, uh, I like, Houston's like just such a monstrous city, man. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's not given its credit for its culture and things. I mean, it's come a long way since, you know, back in the day. But, like, Houston is a gigantic city with a lot of diverse cultures in it. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, 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 Really similar to LA in a lot of ways. It is. In, in that it's it's so spread out, it's hard to get across. It's a huge melting pot, lots yeah. of ethnic diversity, right. lots of really good restaurants, and you gotta search like crazy to get out of some terrifying parts of it. Oh but, no, but, totally. But it has good stuff. No, totally, totally. <laughs> uh, but we, I, I'm curious about Tim. You went to high school in Houston. I went, so uh, my dad, uh, when I was all through growing up, uh, he worked for Shell Oil. So I was in Houston oh. for oil. And then when I was 12, he got, he got transferred to a tiny little coal mining town in Ohio. Oh, wow. And so I, I lived from 12 to 18 in St. Clairsville, Ohio. No kidding. Graduated there. Whoa, how did you feel like, like, I mean, those were your formulative years. You had an attachment, I'm sure, to Houston. And then you're in this, like, space... Space Town, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, remote area. Was that kind of like a shock? Like, Yeah, it was a huge shock. My mom, like, when she got the news, she, she sad, like, wept. Yeah, like, yeah. like, audibly wept. Yeah. And, I, you know, I actually liked it uh, in, in a lot in retrospect. I mean, it was, um, was pre-internet, and so, yeah. you know, your sources of culture and information were pretty limited, but it was also, I never even saw marijuana until <laughs> uh my graduation party oh, in high sure. school i oh, never sure. saw it and well, I, I never good. i didn't smoke it that night but i saw it oh and so, yeah and i don't you know i uh i don't have a lot of self-control and so i was like <laughs> i lived in a very you know safe environment I yeah think. you were padded so that stuff came way later yeah, way yeah. later way later yeah, yeah and wait when did you like when were the when when did do you think it was there that you started using film to kind of entertain yourself and like yeah. really pay attention? Yeah, I was I was definitely a dork and uh, I you know didn't have a, a tremendous dating life in yeah, uh, in Ohio. But also like <laughs> the people you grew up around, it's not like you ca carried over and saw them at high school. I feel like you go to high school and you stay in one place. It's like oh, I remember you from you know like yeah. when you're a transplant, it kind of forces you to be. A dork, in a good way, you know what I mean? But right. it became my social circle. Like, yeah. So on Fridays and Saturday nights, we would just, we would go to the video store, we'd like rent movies, yeah. and we'd spend the night of one of our houses and watch movies all night. Yeah. Um, because we didn't have anything else on our social You remember that calendar. movie store? You remember what it was? Like, was I, don't it remember, I don't remember the name. There, <laughs> remember there were, how weird the movie There were two. <laughs> I remember everything about it except yeah. for the name. And I remember the revelation when you're 14 years old and uh, this obviously mom and pop yeah. couple that would let you rent anything. Yeah, and so yeah. we saw all you know, you know, this you know not like pornography or anything like that, but like a lot yeah. of horror movies, yeah. a lot of you know. Uh, uh, there was a doc we played at Fantastic Fest called 
blood, boobs, and beasts. <laughs> and it's like, that kind of defines my early some cinephile so what knowledge. what was this, like, <laughs> late, late 70s or early 80s? Like, oh, what, my gosh. I mean, uh, what, well, I mean, it was... I'm trying to think of the artwork, like, yeah, walking into that 80, movie. I was 82 to 88 yeah. is when I was... Yeah, like, so, yeah. like, and I think, like, artwork then was starting to take a, a shift, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it was... We were beyond just, like, illustrations, like... The Mel Brooks and like uh, the Burt Reynolds illustrate. It was like a lot of photos and like people trying to Photoshop things in. And it was it was a pretty tawdry affair. Yeah, <laughs> weird <laughs> like um, H.R. Geiger artwork and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I I remembered going to the movie store like you know, and this is like early '90s or whatever, and just being so enamored by all the art everywhere, and was like. That's crazy. But you, you ended up going to Rice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you ended up going, uh, like, into mechanical engineering, right? Like, Yeah, I don't really even know why. I think it's because I was in Ohio, and <laughs> um, uh, the, the, there wasn't really a guidance counselor, per se. So I didn't really know what one could do yeah. for a job. And I was good at math, and so I just enrolled in engineering. Yeah. And it wasn't until probably my junior year of engineering where I realized, oh, my God, I've made, like, a... I mean, nothing against engineering, but like it's sure. not what I wanted to do. Right. And uh, so I was pretty far along, and had that was my career path, and I took it. But I knew. Did you I have was, the internship yet? I at had, Shell. Yeah, I worked at Shell, um, and I used to be really embarrassed about this. I never would own up to it, but um, uh, you know, my dad worked at Shell, and yeah. so he basically arranged for me to get an internship. And I would, as a young man, I would never own up to that reality. Sure. <laughs> but uh, so I interned there when I was a sophomore uh, at Rice, and I was an incredible. You know, that's Dude, that's super young still, though, man. Like. I, I performed that year, and then in the that year at school, I um, I had this revelation that I didn't want to do it, and I was kind of a. I masked the fact that I was a mediocre engineer uh, intern my junior year, but yet. I was so good the year before they just offered me the yeah. job. Give, so me, was, yeah. give me a vibe for interning a show. You I know, don't. Get, um, I. Uh, you gotta. Overwhelming. <laughs> I don't know. Is that overwhelming? Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. That's like whoa. I don't have my glasses, so I oh, can't yeah, see. I'm that, just going by like, the eyeballs. That's like wide-eyed. Yeah, whoa. Overwhelmed. Yeah. 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 I and guess that still works. <laughs> There's no wrong vibe, okay, by okay, the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fire away. But you, you like, you, you, you went through Rice, and so is you felt like I'm heading down a career of, of oh shit. Uh, yeah. Well, I, in my junior year, I actually dropped out of engineering for a week, um, and it was the craziest thing because I told my parents that like. I think I used a metaphor. It's like I'm like cutting off my fingers one at a time, and oh it's like a, and it's like it is so melodramatic, right? And uh, but then after a week, everybody explained to me that I had done all the hard work, and senior year is just a coast. Should just can, yeah. I, can I swear? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, just yeah. fucking do it. And so <laughs> I had to beg all of my professors, like, no, no, no. I just had a momentary crisis. I really want to do this. Sure, and sure. I, so I finished it off, but I I knew really at that point I just where it was going. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, day one on the job, like, like you go to Bakersfield, California, yeah. where the band Corn is from. I just had to point that out. So, I don't I know. Ha- about- I have lots of corn c- stories. Oh, let's but- go! <laughs> Holy moly, yeah. Let's go! <laughs> they so, were like, coming up right when we were there. They played at our theater. Sh- I, twice. I was. 
praying <laughs> that this would happen. Big corn fan. And it really did happen. Yeah. I was like, this is the whole reason you're here, Tim. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize this was a corn podcast. <laughs> no, no. You're joking, right? They didn't. No. They play, they, they, yeah, I'll, they tell play. All, I'll tell all the corn okay, stories. Okay, now, hold on. All right, so, but hold on, hold on. Uh, the, the, to the essence of the podcast, okay. you, I'm, I'm trying to think about Tim going to a job he hates every yeah. day. And what was your day-to-day? Like, what did you wake up? Would you wake up and you were like, cereal, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> eat some cereal and go? Ah, man, it, and, was a, it was a weird time. And Carrie was in around at this time, right? She, well, yeah. so Carrie and I dated all through college. We, Carrie's we Tim's started, wife, so those yeah, listening. Yeah, the other, Amazing. the co-founder of Alamo. Hi, Carrie. And uh, so we started dating our sophomore year of college. And then she took a job at a genetics uh, laboratory research Back firm in San, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I took the job in uh, uh, Bakersfield. And, and we would see each other on the weekends. Oh, cool. Um, Made we it did, work. We'd um, we'd go see movies a lot separately. So she'd see him in San Francisco. I'd see him in Bakersfield, and then afterwards we'd call each other and like have that post movie yeah. conversation. Oh, nice! <laughs> so like this was sort of like the telephone of your relationship. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! But she she was into movies too, and yeah. y'all y'all were like, what was the movie y'all saw on your your first date movie? Uh, it it wasn't the first date. It was probably the second date. The one um, that sticks out. Or- sticks out for sure. Um, was this movie called Backstair? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird. Um, uh, it's a it's a weird French film. I think it's French about a. Uh, I think it's a Doberman Pinscher. It's a, it's a mind of a Whoa. super intelligent Doberman Pinscher who is a racist Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so we on our I think on our first movie date we went to go see something. I don't remember what it was, but we saw the trailer. For Baxter, yeah, uh, and it, the tagline for it was, uh, I don't. My French is terrible. I don't speak French, but she's, it was, "Méfiez-vous du chien qui pense." Beware the dog that thinks. And it was like such <laughs> an intense trailer. That oh like, wow! Oh my God, we're totally going. Yeah, we're going to that. <laughs> uh, and so that's the one that sings. Give me out. a vibe for the first movie with Carrie. That was pretty. Where's the happy one? There we go. Yes, yes. That's pretty good. That's a good memory. That's good. That's good. But so, you, yeah, I'm I'm trying to pull you back into, into corporate corn. sludge. No, we'll get to corn. <laughs> All right, it's corporate sludge, corn, and then Austin. That's how it's gonna yeah. go. But like corporate sludge, like I've been there before. Like yeah. you get this gut wrenching. I never, <clears> you know, you have acid reflux. Like you're just like, it's this never ending to do list. It just kind of sucks. Like, or was I, it just like you felt like you needed more? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't. I, I can't. I can't shit on the experience too much. But it wasn't. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. And uh, I can tell you, like in a nutshell, was that like the very first day uh, after we finished up with the HR and the paperwork and everything. Yeah. And uh, they're like, okay, um, well now it's time to go pick out your art. Yeah. And I was like, I, you know, that the, what you just said. It's so fascinating to me. I don't know what you mean by that, but let's go. Let's go to where one picks out the art. Yeah. And so I was on the seventh floor, and I had three walls and a window. And so everybody, after you finish your paperwork, you go down, and they have this vast uh, like room, and there you just pick out three paintings. And they have like landscapes over here and uh, like oil 
Whoa. Oil porn, like like Derek's. Oil and, porn. Uh, like, you know, yeah. That's going to be the name <laughs> of the episode, baby. <laughs> Oil porn. But and then, a, yeah, no, I know. You pick out like a then, landscape, a Derek, yeah. and, a, uh, and a like country. a walking beam pump. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, this is, yeah, this I, I like this. This sort of complements my For space. For your office? My office. Dude, that's so, so fucked up. I know, right? And I was like, okay, that was the moment where I was like, I am out. Yeah, no, that would be it for me because I all I would all I would see at that moment are the fifty thousand meetings in my office, and you're like, see that ping right there? You know, I picked that out. You know what that stands I for? That myself. <laughs> that stands for the hard work we're doing right now. <laughs> No. Yeah, no, that would be it. That would be it. But but you hung in there for a little bit. And 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 uh, the the uh, Tejon or Tejon uh, studio? Uh, Tejon was our Tejon. first theater. Yes, yeah. and and it was sort of a side hustle with yeah. that. And so what I've noticed with a lot of my guests is some of them are very much in your shoes where they say, my job was horrible, and the only thing to fulfill my life was this side thing they had going on. And... Um, the side hustle is not easy. Like some people, just like go all in or whatever. But how did you maintain getting that going, Tejon, with with the normal job? Uh, I, how do you have the energy for that? I I mean I can't even really fathom the energy that I must have had as a 23, 24 year old. Oh, totally right. So like now I feel like I need a nap at all Poor, times. Uh, yeah, I almost fell asleep before you got. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I um, uh, I was really excited about the idea. Yeah. And uh, honestly, Shell kind of suffered. I was a pretty terrible employee. And by the end of it, um, uh, the the head of HR came into my office and basically said, "You know, we've got this crossroads here. You're oh. you either need to quit." Or we're gonna fire oh, you. Oh no way! <laughs> HR was like, like yeah. they got proactive about it. Yeah, I, I pictured yeah. you like still doing your job, like I was barely doing it, crunching numbers, banging it out. Mm. Like, you were like, you no, know, you were like, not so hot. <laughs> <laughs> It came to that. <laughs> they came. Tim, we need to have a talk. Yeah, let's have a talk. Option A, option B. Uh, both, Neither of these options have you working here. Both same road. <laughs> Give me a vibe for uh, fuck this place, <laughs> or, I don't know. or take I this mean, job and s- no, no. no hey, how about this? I'm still this? positive yeah. towards. It. I'm gonna give I, this like winking sort of. I like how yeah. you 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 have a very positive like spin on it. Like I'm sure you learned something there. Like sure. In terms of like negotiation or like logistics <laughs> or. Uh, I took the um, beautiful oil they were actually porn. Very very good about training so yeah like, you could oh, take right. a lot of classes i took the uh uh stephen covey uh seven habits for highly successful people there and they gave me a free day timer um yeah and, you know I, I took personal time management there oh my goodness i learned how to run effective meetings there it was, well, it was you were a you were a business bona fide <laughs> businessman yeah. but more more in a little bit because it seems like you've taken that and you're applying it methodically through Alamo and like other businesses want to learn from you now and so more on that in a little bit but let's get to the good pour let's get to corn okay. let's get to so so you're at Bakersfield California <laughs> yeah. you got this Tejon theater Carrie is helping you out this is a side hustle mm-hmm. um it sounded like it was a little rocky I bet I know why I bet it was because you had corn come play <laughs> so what happened like what like did they like open for a Friday the 13th screening or something or like so it was right at the time where they were becoming famous and yeah. so right before we came they had a their original 93 92 uh 
we were there in, uh, I mean, I was in Bakersfield in 92, 93, yeah. until 95. Yeah. And so their first band was called Sex Art. Dig uh, it. And, uh, which is a terrible name. It's really kind of embarrassing me when you think about it. Uh, I'm like, I'm kind of like, wow, I'm impressed by that, actually. Uh, and <laughs> so where we, we used to go to uh, do our laundry, and there's this, like, if you're a corn, like, deep track person. Deep cuts. You could, uh, <laughs> you, there was a, uh, a sex art graffiti carved into that laundromat where oh, they had washed their clothes. No way. <laughs> no way. Uh, but they played twice. They played once um, when they were not quite, uh, huge, yeah. And then uh, three days before we closed the theater down, we our our last creative effort was Corns yeah. come back to Bakersfield on the Westwood One radio network, recorded Whoa. live at our Westwood theater. Westwood One, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. So it was a huge show where they had made it. They had broken to like number one, Whoa. and it was like a coming back to Bakersfield uh, show at our theater. And they. Okay, and and they there was like how many people? Our the maximum capacity was a thousand at our theater. So a thousand people showed up. Yeah, we actually twelve hundred. We broke the law. You broke. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So so that is the perfect segue. All right. By the way, anyone listening, corn is not Tim's came claim to fame. <laughs> like, but I think that were they like? Did you meet him? Were they yeah, cool yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> the guy that sold me my first projector. Um, uh, had a punk club in Austin. That's where Sex Art used to play. Oh, okay. So he was buddies with them. He and had so a punk club in Austin or in uh, Bakersfield? Sorry, sorry, oh, yeah, Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah. Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And so he loaned you gear and like... He sold me a projector for 2500 bucks. How many people were in Bakersfield at the time, you think? Like 50000 180000 Yeah, okay. Yeah. So small enough to where everyone's kind of a community. Sure. Hey, like there's like two sound guys in town. Yes. They own the PAs. <laughs> they control His everything. His brother was the lighting guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, you get to these towns in Texas, it's the same thing. Because Victoria was like, yeah. it was like, hey, like, we're 70,000. Two people have a PA system. They control. They're like Rockefeller of any entertainment. Like, seriously. Give me a vibe for corn. Uh, oh you know, playing so play the their. Vibe? I'll probably get the aggro. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is interesting. So that's actually a good segue in that, like, I know you and Carrie are hustling and trying to get the, um, kind of trying to get Tayon going, and I know there were some ups and downs, but it seemed like this was a good experiment uh, for you where you learned a ton, and especially, I mean, having Corn come play a reunion <laughs> or a, a homecoming show, you learn the essence of the event. And yeah. in my eyes, you're a bit of an experienced designer. Um, the first one I pull out of my head is Disneyland and Walt Disney and people that want to go and get an authentic experience. And I think um, it, it is sort of that know-how of an event and that fusion of things other than the medium itself. That's why festivals exist. That's why uh, Alamo is where it is. And um, what do you think it was like with ideas and events that, like, was there something that sparked you? Was there, like, one idea with Tejon where you were, like, I don't know, maybe it was a food pairing with a movie or something where you were, like, that, that, that's an idea. That, that's an experience. I mean, I, there, there were several events that we eventually took to the first Alamo that started there in Bakersfield. We did our first uh, silent film with live band event there. Yeah. Um, and uh, we did our first, like, feast type event where we we didn't do it ourselves, but we, like, uh, worked with a local restaurant to create a menu built around um, 
the Italian film Il Postino was the oh, very nice. first one. Okay. And so we're kind of dabbling around in that. And um, also, uh, um, because we were a live mu- music venue and a movie theater. Oh, so you were dubbed a live music venue. Well, really sporadically. So we probably had 10 shows. Okay, um, okay. And Over like three or four years? Two or? years, almost oh, okay. two years. Yeah, so then that was a special thing, yeah. And uh, that's the that's the only thing that, the, that's the only reason why we were able to get enough money to get out of Bakersfield. Is yeah. The shows work, the movies didn't, for the most part. Interesting. Um, so, uh, but we do, were able to kind of uh, fuse... You were uh, mashing things up. I, I, I would never have phrased it that way. You were like <laughs> you were like the girl talk of uh, theaters and, oh, and music. Man. This, I think this interview is done. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mashup guy. No, 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 but I mean that's kind of cool though. Like I mean, like that's that's pretty like two very easy, obtainable things that like I don't think anyone would think about putting them together, but. If you pull it all together and then add like the culinary effect in there, it's mm-hmm. it's the three sixty experience, right? Like, yeah, we just ended up doing it better in Austin than we were able to do it in, <laughs> in, in, in you know, Bakersfield. Like, you're like, yeah, Bakersfield. There's just too many guys with dreads and big bass guitars. It was just like totally out of control. It was an angry town. Like yeah. before so, before so, Mexico like took all of you know the thunder out yeah. of the meth industry from uh, from California <laughs> oh, no. it was like the meth capital of uh oh, of I believe the it. United States oh i believe <laughs> it totally i always wondered that like why cuz my mm-hmm. my town like was very aggressive like mm-hmm. the bands that did best there were very aggressive punk rock bands mm-hmm. and like the diy scene was very was thriving anything else just was like get the hell out of the way nobody really cared and i always wondered why like certain Removed towns kind of just like get mad. <laughs> in, in, in the 90s, it was meth. In the, yeah, in the 90s, <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah, well, the 90s were a different time. I mean, it was just an aggressive time. It was well, crazy. Uh, one of the other, like, uh, and I just recently re- revisited this uh, kind of magically. Uh, I sent a very heartfelt letter to uh, uh, Fugazi to play. Oh, my and goodness. So, so they play. At Draft House? They play, well, at Tejon. And um, Fugazi and, played. Yeah. What? That's like my favorite band. <laughs> They're the best. So you can listen to the show, and so it's so funny because I want to go listen to that show. It's for me like I re- relived all these moments because they required us to have uh, oh, a very I'm, specific barricade oh, on the stage. Sure. Yeah. And so I built it, and then halfway through the show, the barricade collapsed. Oh, no. And so the show, the not show stopped. Not due to moshing, because moshing's not allowed. At a well, show. the show stopped four times because of angry moshing, right? And they stopped <laughs> it. And then it, like, stopped because everybody was pressing against my shitty barricade. No And way. so I had to go, like, he just paused the show until I could go fix it with a drill. And so I'm, like, I, that it's forever burned into my brain sound. all the tension of that. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> instant manual labor for yeah. Ian MacKay. Yeah. Like, that sounds like what <laughs> Ian MacKay would drive you to do. He'd be like, he'd be like, I'm gonna need you to take a tractor, and you're gonna have to back this up, and let, and then we'll play uh, Red Medicine. <laughs> it was on the Red Medicine tour. Oh, that's one of my favorite records. That's like, a a, record. totally underrated. Oh my goodness. So, what what other bands played at your first uh, that I would know of? Uh, Los Lobos played. Of course. It yeah, doesn't make yeah. much sense. Uh, with yeah. the, uh, the Ramones played on their second what? to last tour. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Pennywise played. Uh, of course, Pennywise played. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're from over Bad there. religion plays. Oh, yeah. They're all from over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are probably a logical stop. Like, yeah. they were probably the fun, like, offbeat thing when they were going from Southern to Northern California. Yes, we were and a so. midweek stop between San Francisco and L.A. Yeah. Give me a vibe for Fugazi, though. We got we got to do one. We got to... What's up? They're kind of, what's the right one? Um... Yeah, muffles. <laughs> I don't know. It seems Speechless. very, very serious. So I didn't want to be like. Yeah, a no, one. that was serious. That I'm was great. Big, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan. I'm, yeah, and I couldn't believe I that loved they uh, agreed to the stop because yeah, it was just a. I it was probably an embarrassing letter if I still had it, but I wrote it to him directly. You so should totally like post that or. I something. don't have it. He he might. I don't think he has. He's it, got it. Oh, you hand and you probably snail mailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how you got along then. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, you you learned a lot. Was there like was there any was this too Well, it's crazy. I I pictured you as someone who was completely enamored and immersed in like the film uh the film culture, right? And like everything around it. The critics, the the film buffs, the people that like different genres, but I didn't know that music was like this sort of like echo chain, like this ride along pal of yours that was going on. I, I do love music. Yeah. I, I'm 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 better versed in film than I am in music. Yeah, and yeah, but that's cool. But but then uh, perfect segue to you get to Austin, and you was it you and Carrie were like Alamo Draft House, that's gonna be the name, and you come to Austin to make it happen. Uh, we didn't have the name for sure. Yeah, um, it, it 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 was a. It's a bit of a journey to the name, right. and um, that was largely due to uh, our our still friend and collaborator Evan Evan Voyles, yeah. Neon Jungle. He's made a lot of our neon signs, and so he sold me this uh, blank neon sign that used to be a drugstore sign for five grand, and said, "I will for five grand, I'll I'll repaint it, yeah. build some new neon for you." Oh man, nice. his prices are much more expensive now. I oh sure, shouldn't have, shouldn't have quoted that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know it had to be five letters, and so yeah, kind of. Then we brainstormed on that exercise, and then the top of the building that we finally leased kind of looked like the Alamo. All right, and then the 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 winning punch was that. Alamo put us in front of AMC in the phone book, and so it was like... <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Those, those are the triple threat. Yeah, no, I'm... Yeah, it's like when you search for a band in the CD aisle, it's like, oh, yeah, you always get through the A's and B's and then the C. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm sure things got a little crazy for you at that point, like, you know, trying to get it going in a new town. And what was your... What was your... How were you keeping yourself kind of pumped and going... Uh, on the day-to-day, like, mm. being in Austin, like, really trying to get uh, Alamo hopping, because I know y'all were wearing a lot of hats. I know Carrie was a huge supporter for you. And, and uh, sh- I mean, for the early days, it was just manual labor. Like, we, we built the first theater. Yeah. Like, we had one uh, one guy that worked yeah. with us um, who was the only skilled craftsman of the three of us. Yeah. And uh, the three of us pounded everything out. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, you know, wake up work until fatigue sets in and then go to right. sleep and wake up and work again for, for we built it for six months right and then uh, during that six months uh carrie uh took a job because we didn't really have food service experience we were, mm. just, we're we faked a lot of things and that's one right on so i got a job at double dave's pizza for two weeks and she got a do- job at doing the breakfast shift as a waitress 
um, at the Red Lion Hotel. Oh, really? And oh, so, crazy. And uh, so that's where we got all of our food service uh, knowledge. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Deliver pizza and, like... I made pizza. Oh, no, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, that's, that's cool. But you were... You, you were... I feel like you were probably burning the candle at both ends at one point to try to get the thing, yeah. like, where you wanted it to be. And I'm sure you had a vision, like, you had this, like idea in your head of what like I guess the prototype of what Alamo Draft House would be and how are you able to kind of set your own expectations and like and and push through that or I think um, and not underwhelm yourself like well uh, I mean it, I mean it starts with the one in Bakersfield because yeah. we had this we loved movies and uh, neither one of us had uh, a really awesome experience at going to movie theaters, but we loved going to movie theaters. Right. Um, and so it came from actually this, like, kind of uh, nitpicky, minutiae picking at other movie theaters, what they're doing wrong. Right. To say, what if what if we could do it this way? You yeah. Know? And so, I, I mean... I, I, I don't think there was any kind of master plan. No, other than you just wanted to be cool. We we love movies. We yeah. like to build a place where people who love movies yeah. would want to come. Yeah, and did you feel like you were? How do you know when you're building something authentic enough that people like that obsess over movies like um, are showing up and like into it? Like, are they writing about you? Or are they like? They, I mean, I found like because I've done events for you before, yeah. like. Once I, I'm, I mean, for a little bit there, I was doing an anime DJ thing yeah. over in Mueller, and like I knew I was doing the right thing when anime fans were showing up correcting me, like, why did you play this episode? <laughs> the one after it's so much better. And I would be like, man, you're right. <laughs> like, I mean, and you just like nod your head and you're like, you know, and that is cool. And like, I feel like it was probably, I'm not comparing my little DJ set to building Alamo, but I feel like you start to have people sort to nitpick your experience, you well, know? I mean, I think that's the, that's something I've always really actually appreciated and liked is um, when uh, people who have a much better grasp on something that I love uh, give you constructive feedback, right? And whether or not it's it's like brutal or whether or not sure. it's uh, polite, it doesn't matter. Like sure. I like it when people. I, I don't like it when people are, uh, you know, kiss your ass or whatever. Yeah, like that. yeah, but yeah. It's, but, but it's like if they say, "Oh, you know what? You would have been a lot better if you would have done it like this." Yeah, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you." Yeah. So. What would you tell someone? Like, because not everybody's right. built that way. Some, I mean, I think too, like the new gen. <laughs> like, I mean, just everybody, like. Not everybody can handle feedback like that. <laughs> like, what's what's your method to that? Like, know that it's making you better? Or? I, I don't know. I think, uh, so, um, uh, I, I'll tell you, I mean, it sounds like I'm name dropping, but it's not like a, like a no, gigantic no, no, no. name, but uh, Ari Aster was here a couple months ago. Oh, for, wow. Uh, for his new movie. Yeah. 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 And um, he and I talked about this idea that, uh, like, that we shared something that's common in that we're both, like, horrifically neurotic inside like mm -hmm. we're just like the idea of ha somebody having this grandiose ego that i know how to do everything and i just project confidence yeah it's like such an alien concept to me sure that uh i you know that's just i guess that's how i can accept feedback and that i can do things sure. better is that because i i know it to be true <laughs> right 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 no and i know what you mean though because like 
even myself, like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be that person mm-hmm. that is like this egomaniac. I have all the answers because I, I, I'm like, I don't want to, but like you have to talk yourself out of the fact that you're not just because you act a certain way or, or handle feedback. It doesn't mean that you're like egotistical or anything. I don't know. It's like yeah. I get I get all visions of myself, but that that's so cool. So so yeah, draft house starts humming. You go in. You you. When did you know like things were popping was it, what was that what was that um, one thing when you knew like okay we we've we've made at least some sort of stride well uh, i can tell you before that uh, opening day crazy like we did this radio promotion it was sold out day number 2 we showed this pretty lame uh, clint eastwood movie called absolute power yeah. and then three people showed up and oh, yeah. and carrie and i were freaking out because we spent all the money on the theater. We basically had our first employees ever, um, sure. and we had we had enough money for a month of payroll. Oh, and it's no. like, oh, this is just all gonna we're just all gonna die. <laughs> it's not gonna work. It's over. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, um, I credit uh, Anne Hornaday, who is uh, the film critic for the Austin Statesman at the time. Oh, cool. She came by. She saw something, and uh, she had a good experience. And she wrote a very positive article. Yeah. And um, the next day, we had opened up uh, Austin Powers of all things. Oh yeah. And it was kind of like a perfect was this Alamo. Nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. 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 yeah great. Um, and uh, and we had staffed for you know, our usual, not many people, like yeah. 25, 30, 40 people. Yeah. And then Carrie was selling tickets and she's freaking out because like 40 people came and then another 40 and another 40 and we oh, sold no. out all the seats and we had enough staff to handle about 40 people. Oh, and, sure. Uh, and she didn't even think to just say, we're sold out. So, so we'd had 200 people and what? Uh, it was a terror. We, we'd served them poorly. It was a bad experience for them. Yeah. But like, yeah. Oh my God! It was like, okay, we, this is gonna work. How can you be mad during Austin Powers though? <laughs> it's sort of like the view is a little late. But. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's such a it was such a like. I mean, I got to say, when I saw Austin Powers, I was like, okay, like there are s- still some good funny things being made. Like yeah. there was a point that was around when I was in high school, and I started to like just not really care about movies. I was really into music, mm-hmm. and um, that's another funny thing is like. You would come in. Well, I worked. I came to Austin in two thousand one, and I worked at a coffee shop. And everyone tell me, "Oh, you, you haven't been to Alamo Draft House yet?" This, yeah, this two thousand two thousand one. They're like, "Oh, you haven't been yet? Oh, you gotta go. Oh, you gotta go." And like, you know, they're telling me about it. But I also came to Austin because I was like, "Oh man, I want to be a musician." Yeah, yeah. And I thought that everybody liked music. I thought everyone in Austin was in a band and loved music. <laughs> but no, I worked with people that like. No, I don't really like music, man. I like films. <laughs> and I would be like, what do you mean? And like, <laughs> and then this guy I worked with, he showed me like Shaolin Soccer and um uh 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 the uh Battle Royale and like that whole thing was going on like at that time of year. and I was like, What? Like foreign films? Oh my goodness, this is so cool. And then like y'all tapped into it and but that that was what was cool, is like um all I've seen since then is is just, you know, Alamo, you guys just keep tweaking and adapting and like do you still kind of feel like keeping a business like very light and getting feedback like that and getting that loop in there is the way to kind of keep tweaking things from the food to the experience to everything yeah um, yeah i mean we, if, if anything we've got a, a more of a sophisticated feedback loop for both yeah. you know employees and also from customers yeah. so 
um, you know, a, a lot of really great ideas come from customers. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've had a couple good ideas, but like largely I think my, my, my best ability is in recognizing a good idea and being able to jump and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hop on that. And being <laughs> set up, give me a vibe for new ideas, you know, mm -hmm. you got you to... Gotta... <laughs> and be, being agile enough and having your business set up to where you can do that um but no you you like since then you and carrie have just been uh, anything about like working with your partner in life like is i there, mean is a lot there, of a lot of people ask that right because uh, the, the, it's 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 terrifying to a lot of people the yeah. idea that especially in those days like in, in Bakersfield, for example, like she came, she quit her job in San Francisco, a good job in yeah. a good city, great city, one yeah. may say, to go to Bakersfield and yeah. live behind the screen right. of a movie theater and serve popcorn and like have 20 hour, 18 hour days. Goodness. Um, and so it's a pretty much a, uh, a real tinderbox situation. Yeah. And, um, and we were just dating at the time, we weren't married. Uh, but I think early on, we had, it's really important for us to uh, define who who kind of wins, right? Like, sure. Um, and to uh, divvy up responsibilities and not like micromanage the other person's responsibilities. Yeah. Like, that's your thing. I'll be a consultant. I'll be here as a guide or like a sounding board for you yeah. when you make those decisions, and I'll make these decisions. And um, uh, that yeah, that was an important thing that we. I mean. And we worked together in that way for two years, and then decided to get married. So yeah, it was a, it was a good awesome, test. Man. No, that's so <laughs> awesome. What, what in those early days? What if you could share? What was sort of? I'm sure you were kind of the build stuff guy. It mm -hmm. sounds like, and like love to get like tangible things built. What was she like? More um, in tune with audience and like what's going on, like how they're feeling about things, or was she more like programmatic, like? What was the complimentary I mean, the, sauce the, there? The most important thing was that, like, I, I started it in Bakersfield, and then a couple weeks in, I begged her to come down and save it because I had really not a great sense on how to run the business yeah. and how to manage things and be organized yeah. and um, understand the finances. So, you know, ever since 1995, like, she's been in charge of running the business. Right, and so right. Uh, pragmatics yeah and anything involved with um, uh, the operation of the business she won and so I got kind of holed up I was in the projection room so I did all the projection mm. and while the films were running I would do the advertising and design and, and nice. marketing and programming yeah um, and, but just in a, like my little sweaty cavern upstairs yeah right and, right uh, the two of us would uh, sell tickets and concessions and I'd, I'd run up to start the movie and then a run back down yeah so, so you drill. both had to get up in front of the people and she well she didn't she didn't like to do that it still uh, still doesn't like, like to do that the scenes yeah and yeah. I mean, so she, did, she yeah she, like, can, she can she's great yeah. at it but and um, you continuously credit her as like uh, i've noticed and like but yeah she's she's chill she's like uh, yeah back yeah so she uh doesn't find any pleasure in getting in front of people and so that became one of my jobs yeah. but we did a lot of the the programming stuff collaboratively, and like everything was collaborative. It's just we defined the pillars by which who got to 
who whose voice was the yeah. deciding voice. Did you ever get like really stressful points where you're like getting creative block or something and you're like, oh man, I gotta like come up with some ideas and push this thing? Or has it all just been kind of flowing and I, flowing? I, I think I work really well in a state of uh, panic. Panic, yep. yeah. And some so, do. Like, I yeah. I kind of like just, it too. Yeah, like <laughs> if, if there's like a deadline, then something just like surges with it. It's like, oh, oh look yes. at this. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'll put myself in that position a lot of times yeah. in order to get to that uh, kind of creative state. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and that's sure. maybe I'm just justifying being a shitty procrastinator. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, I think they call it, give me a vibe for procrastination. Yeah, I was like, I think they call it procrastination. <laughs> well, anyways, Tim, you got, you got your hands in so many things, like, in the uh, in the recent years. You, the Fantastic Fest happened, mm-hmm. Mondo happened, an amazing, like, extension of the Alamo brand, you know, I'm going to start kind of getting into the brand of Alamo. And then uh, Neon Films, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. You all had I, Tanya. Um, what are some other titles that you release? That uh, right now in theaters, we've yeah. got Loose, uh, which is a wonderful film. It's a uh, uh, Nomi Watts, uh, Tim Roth, um, oh, man. kind of really right. kind of dark drama. Yes, yes. We 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 do a lot of documentaries. We did Apollo Eleven and Biggest Little Farm this year. Oh, awesome! Uh, we've got the new Bong Joon Ho film Parasite, which won Palme d'Or this year at Cannes. Oh, sweet man! Uh, and a really cool French language film uh, called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's coming out for oh, wow. Oscar consideration. Congratulations! Like yes. you're immersed in the world that you know, you saw from afar now. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, you know, I think... And what's cool is I think, like, Alamo has been consistent. Like, y'all have had uh, a consistent brand and sort of, I can tell, behind the scenes, like, a pretty set framework on what... how things are run and how things have gone. Of course, you've had to evolve it and, like, you know, like you said, like, be able to, like, turn the levers here and there. But, like, it seems like now... Um, amidst the chaos, like brands would come to you and say, "How do I make my people love coming to work every day?" Mm-hmm. And because um, it is, everyone knows, like everyone in town is like, "Oh yeah, it's like one of those jobs. It's really cool. It's like Disneyland, <laughs> and like um, you know." But it's also a, re- a real place where y'all are honest and like, "Hey man, we gotta hit, address things head on and be honest with each other." Curse on the podcast, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like be be real about what's going on and like. What do you, do you think, like, the importance of brands behind the scenes and internally is just as important as, like, what they manifest out to the people? Like, I mean, I think it's the, I think it's the same. Um, uh, I mean, I, I ideally, uh, the, the company is a reflection of who you are. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... Also, just in terms of like our own experience is, um, you, you look at kind of the first half of the twenty some odd years we've been doing it, uh, where it was all about the kind of idea and um, the concept behind how we were going to make this movie theater be distinct yeah. and um, unique, um, and then uh, a, a reflection as we've kind of calmed down and matured a little bit to understand, you know, to 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 spend more time and effort of understanding the people that work for you. Make sure that yeah. you just don't assume that it's an awesome place, and, sure. but like work harder to, um, you know, offer development and um, uh, make, sh- you know, put some mature business prospects, uh, sure, uh, processes sure. yeah, in yeah. place. 
So, and that's that's something that you know was certainly missing for me and Carrie. For you know, we would you know, I would have loved to have had an MBA in retrospect. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, all we knew about business was the Red Lion Inn and, and Double Dave's and yeah, maybe yeah. a couple library books. But yeah, yeah, and corn. <laughs> yeah, like corn. <laughs> corn really taught me yeah, a lot I mean. about some kind of life lessons <laughs> about. The art of sex and the <laughs> sex art and like no uh, no I I think so. what what's great about the Alamo brand to me and this is just like kind of my parting words is that you know outside looking in I see y'all have expanded and I see y'all's influence like really go outward but when I think about it in my mind it's still that one theater that the guy in the coffee shop said, have you been yet? And, you know, and I go to any of them in town or, like, do the experience, like, in my brain, it's still that, like, one little theater. And I think that's a real cool thing, you know? Mm. I think if I was making an app or uh, some tech, I was a tech company, I'd, I want you to think, like, you know, everyone talks about, like, S- Stephen Jobs and Mike Wozniak, like, in the garage, you know, and, like, creating Apple and... It's like, oh, okay, sure, I don't buy their products and feel like this came out of the garage, but but I still think of that, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you've achieved that sort of retrospect uh, in in the mind of the consumer, and I guess, yeah, man, bravo to you, and uh, you. yeah, g- give me a vibe for right now, today, and how how it's going. <laughs> it's just the inner dialogue. It's all I got. Uh, you still got a letter to Cindy and Makai, man. Part two. You're like, hey, man, if y'all do a reunion, you got to come through. Man, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Anything new that uh, people can look out for? Oh, man. I, I don't know. Too just much? Just go, uh, <laughs> just try to go watch awesome movies. Hey, I love the anime once a month thing. I'm mm-hmm. a huge 90s anime fan. I got to say, like, I went to the Ninja Cult. I. I start, I went to the Ninja Scroll screening at Village by myself, and uh, I, f- I thought it was awesome. They had the lady come out and talk about, hey, we're screening this because we know you think it's badass, and we know you it's badass. Here's why I think it's badass. And, like, everybody, like, clapped and cheered. It was sold out. I sat next to a complete stranger. <laughs> I nice. offered her the rest of my popcorn, but, like, there was that sense of community in there telling you man mid 90s anime is like my sweet spot and you guys found it i'm just like fuck <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right tim well thank you so much dude for your time boss a pleasure yeah, yeah yeah take care